Hello and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. And I am And Dave. thank you for listening. David, how you doing? Um, I'm, 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 I'm doing okay. fine. All right. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's for one person. Yeah. That is for one person out there. That was a lot uh, of fun. I'm glad we did that little that little bit. Yeah. We don't do enough bits on this show, David. <laughs> um, I think we do. I think we probably do as well, <laughs> yes. So, so how's, how, uh, how are you doing? How am I doing? Yeah. I'm doing fine. Is there an answer to this? No. Oh, okay. Just wondering. No, I'm doing all right. I, uh, You're a little tired? I'm a little sleepy. I'm, a little, to... I'm a little tired, too. A little hungover. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we went We went to the, uh, the fourth anniversary of the Tomorrow Show, which... Yeah. Uh, for those who are not Los Angeles denizens, um, is a midnight comedy show, comedy variety show uh, every week, and it's been going on for four years, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, I've been a sort of diehard fan, uh, yeah, a, a loyalist for about two and a half of those four years, and uh, so that, anyway, that's what it, it, this might be a short episode, is what I'm getting at, because right. we're both a little a little tired and one of us is a little hungover. I'm a little sleepy. It's been it's been a it's been a rough few days for me, Dave, and I'll tell yeah. you why. Because uh as uh friends as my Facebook friends might might know from the pictures uh that I posted, uh my wife was in a terrible car accident uh the other day that uh was uh very jarring and is She's re- fine. She's fine. She's doing good. She's a little sore, but she's okay. Uh and the car, uh, the car not as much. <laughs> Uh, literally everybody who looked at it said, oh, you're going to need a new car. Like the fireman, the cop, the tow truck guy, the other driver. All of them said, like, you're going to, like, the the woman that hit, she basically pulled out and she, she hit Jen as Jen was driving on the on the street. And this woman pulled out of a parking lot and T-boned her. And, uh, and the woman's husband uh, owns a body shop and he, and he gave us one of his cars and said, like, he goes, hey, you know, I do, I do body work. And then... Jen looked at the car and said, "Like ah, oh, the tow, tow truck guy said it might might be uh, beyond repair." And he looked. And he goes, "Yeah, maybe." <laughs> so it's like, "All right, well, it's good to know that everyone's uh, in agreement here." But uh, so yeah. So, so is this other woman's fault? Yeah, uh, they're you know they're uh, contesting it a little bit, uh, which is bothersome because I could see it going. Uh, I could see in the right mindset. I could see somebody saying that it was fifty fifty. Uh, it certainly was not Jen's fault. Um, now, where was she struck? You said T-boned. Uh, the, basically, the front the front half of the car. It, it wasn't just straight on, uh, you know, in the middle there, but it was the front half of the car. Yeah. Yeah. So, the front of Jenny's car. Yeah. Did that come into contact with any point part of this woman's car? Uh, yeah, the front of her car. So it was sort of both fronts. Yeah. Hitting each other. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, that that I can see why that would go fifty fifty. Yeah. So uh, so yeah, it's uh, but everything's fine. But uh, we are going to be probably looking for a car. So if anybody's looking to sell a car, that's, that's I'm not I'm not serious about that. That's ridiculous. <laughs> but uh, you could buy my car, but for way more than it's worth, because <laughs> I, I need some money to buy a new car. Right, myself. absolutely. <laughs> you should trade in that clunker, David. I can't do it. Oh no, why not? Twenty five miles per gallon. According, really? According to the Gold Darren EPA. Wow. Maybe I could trade in my uh, Ford Explorer. Hey, this is fucking boring. Yeah, okay. <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> Sorry. Um, okay, so uh, it, clearly we don't have much to talk about Ooh, at the top boy. of the show. But no, I do want to actually. I still haven't haven't seen District Nine. Um, I know you saw it. But I did see. Let's it. pretend you didn't. Um, okay. <laughs> or let's just not talk. Let's not give away any spoilers. Right. Uh, we we do that too often. Yeah. But by we, I mean you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he was dead the whole time. Oh, damn it. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Um, but, uh, I'm, 
this is this is an interesting thing to have happened in light of last last week's discussion. Yeah. Because um the 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 poster ad campaign for District 9 was really dumb and annoying. Yo, you thought it was okay. Well, I hated it. Here here's what I'll say is that uh, uh we okay, so I had some friends, they just moved to Los Angeles from the Midwest. Uh-huh. Uh one of them friend of the show, Jason Eakin, uh-huh. which is very exciting. We'll have him on the show sometime. Um, and they, uh, and they were commenting that the, the ad campaign that you and I are talking about, uh, was not in the Midwest. It was, it Mm. seemed to be primarily here in Los Angeles. And so perhaps we should go into detail about what it was. Oh, okay. Um, like there there, there are a lot of bus benches, but uh, I guess, yeah, bus bench ads are not a Los Angeles only thing, right? No. Okay. No. Okay. So people know what I'm talking about. Yeah. The bus, bus benches said, uh, like, uh, this bench for humans only, and right. it had like the sort of silhouette of the District Nine alien in like a circle with a line through it, you yeah. know. And uh, and there were other things like that, like uh, like billboards that said non-humans have been spotted in this area, or right. something like that. And it was just, it, it seemed more like a a campaign for a bad video game than for a movie. <laughs> I actually liked it. I thought it was, uh, I thought it was kind of kind of clever because uh, what I will say and this doesn't necessarily ruin anything in the film, is that uh, you will find, you know, similar things in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, because I'm not ruining anything when I say that it's an allegory. Yeah. Um, and so so it's it's putting us in that position of seeing, putting us in the position of the humans in the film, of seeing those signs everywhere and just getting used to them and, and that sort of thing. So I was I was fine with it. And I thought they were designed fairly well and... I don't know. I enjoyed it. Why? Did, so you? But I. That said, I could see that video game thing. It didn't seem. It didn't seem cool. Like mm-hmm. the the sort of the the font and the colors just seemed sort of like almost like it was something for kids. I could see that. It almost seemed like something for a comedy. I'll say that. Uh-huh. Like District Nine is a serious film. That's, uh, that's what I'm hearing. And it this almost seemed like something out of uh, for Mars Attacks or something like that. Yeah. So the, all that said, I, I, I yeah, I really didn't like the the ad campaign. Um, and as much as just like we talked about last week, I try to keep that that out of my uh, my mind when I'm thinking about whether a movie is actually good or not. Right. But I think subconsciously, I had sort of, kind of, sort of, kind of, I I had sort of um, dismissed District Nine subconsciously. Really? Uh, until I started reading reviews. Yeah. Uh, in the past in the past week week and a half, and now it's at the top of my must see list. And what's interesting is, I, but I feel like just, and again, this is just in Los Angeles. I don't know uh, how the ad campaign manifested itself in other cities, but uh, I, I feel like the ad campaign, as silly as we may have thought it was, or mm-hmm. as you more than myself, um, it did its job. I mean, I would be driving. I, first off, I never even saw a trailer for the film. I purposely didn't I want to. I actually did see one trailer. Okay. Uh, I saw it before like Watchmen or something mm-hmm. um a while ago uh and it was I actually did like the trailer but I it had been so long and I had kind of forgotten about it cuz the trailer you don't know that there's aliens in it until the very end of the trailer it just seems like it's a documentary about sort of a like a people not wanting some sort of other group of people in there hmm. uh, just like interviews with people yeah okay uh, that's a, that sounds very clever and then, i wish yeah. i'd seen it and at the Maybe end I'll go you, and watch see, it now. you see the alien being like interrogated that's pretty cool so um 
But Jen and I would be driving along, and she would see, you know, the billboard or the bunch ad, uh, the the bench ad, the bunch ad. There's uh-huh. always, there's a whole cluster of them, <laughs> um, and so uh, and she would say, "What is that? I don't. I've been seeing those all over the place." And I said, "Oh, it's for a movie called District 9. She said, "What's it about?" I'm like, uh, "Aliens, I think." And and you know, it got us talking yeah. about the film. By the way, the the bus, the the that ad campaign also makes it seem like it might be about robots instead of aliens. Yeah, the design, really yeah. the design on there does kind of have that that vibe to it. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, it did. Some would say that it, it's like that old uh, the old comment about annoying commercials is they may be annoying, but here we are talking about them, and that's uh-huh. the idea. And whether you think it was uh, a clever campaign or a silly campaign, people do talk about it, and it it kept the film fresh in in people's minds. Now. Um I, like I've been reading lots of reviews, and of course, uh, the 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 Twitter sphere is is a buzz, right? Um, with with good buzz, um, I'm over at Twitter at uh, at the pretension. Please, please follow me. Um, <laughs> Here's what fascinates me, David. By the way, the way that I have been sha- the way that I have been shamelessly plugging the show in life uh-huh. for the last two years, uh-huh. it was mostly just me. Uh huh. And then you seem to have caught up and surpassed me with the way you shamelessly plug the Twitter for Battleship Pretension specifically. Yeah, because uh, I want more followers. Yeah. It's, I, I just, it's, it's kind of bullshit. <laughs> I, we know how many people listen to this show. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, we're not a, you know, um, uh, a film spotting or a slash film cast. Right. We, we don't have that, that number. We're, right. a, we're a niche and we're not that good. Um... <laughs> <laughs> um but given the numbers of people who listen to the show, yeah, I want at least I, I want I want a few hundred more Twitter followers. Seriously, but David, uh, someone someone whose opinion I respect, yeah, last night told me my Twitter was hilarious. Who was that? Uh, my friend Megan. Oh, all right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but David, here's the thing: not everybody is into Twitter. I don't, uh, you know, I'm not on Twitter, so even yes, I don't follow but, us. Okay, of. The people who host Battleship Pretension, fifty percent of them are into Twitter. <laughs> Why can't fifty percent of the people who listen? That's true. That's true. All right, everybody. I, I, you know, I don't even need fifty percent, but I need seriously. My Twitter is awesome. It David is very comprehensive with his Twitter. I will say that I do go and read it on a regular basis because mm-hmm. I want to know what is being said in my name because that's because it's both of us. Yeah, uh, but I, no, I think I'm clear that I'm David. Yes, very much so. Yeah, but. Uh, because yeah. I never say like hanging out with my wife Jenny. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be weird. That'd be really weird. Yeah. Um, but the, especially, uh, yeah, especially since you don't call her Jenny. That's true. That's true. Yeah, people would instantly know. Yeah. But um, uh, yeah. So okay. All right. Well, I'll I'll take up your I'll take up your cause. Everybody, if you are on Twitter, go to uh, the at the pretension. Yeah. Follow and at the become pretension. become followers. David, I feel like because uh, I'm not. You know, I. I my Twitter is I, I I Twitter often enough for it to be worth it. Yeah. But not so often that it's annoying. Yeah. And I would say I'm seventy five percent of my of my tweets are funny. Or at or least they, amusing. Yeah, they they and I will say this, they at least uh if they are not laugh out loud funny, they are hang on. Laugh out loud funny. Laugh uh-huh. out loud. That's uh-huh. that's weird. Um they uh you at least make an attempt to be funny. It's not just <laughs> hey, here's what's happening during my day. 
You know, it's, right. well, that was condescending, Tyler. Why? <laughs> At least, if oh, he's really, like, little guy's really trying. Didn't no, he? what I mean is just <laughs> it's not innocuous, right? It's you saying, "Hey, what, what my uh, what I'm saying here, you should read because I'm at least trying to make it entertaining to you, yeah, and not just uh, me, not just you know masturbatory. Like eh, everyone wants to know what I have to say, even if I'm not saying it in an in an entertaining way. So they're always clever, uh, if not laugh out loud funny. Yeah, I don't I don't aim for laugh. Mine is a dry wit. Uh, very much so. Very much so. <laughs> um, anyway, that's enough Twitter pimping for this half of the show. All right. Uh, what were we talking about? <laughs> District 9? District 9. Yeah. So, uh... Oh, and I was talking about, yeah, about how the, um... Uh, all, all this word of mouth has been so good. Yeah. And we talked about... There's another thing we talked about last week. This really the beginning of the show is sort of like a sequel to last week. Yeah. Um, we talked about... Uh, word of mouth and how it's sort of been taken out of the equation, you know. Mm-hmm. But now I, I don't, I, I don't really, haven't really been following the box office numbers. Is D- District Nine done well this weekend? Uh, I don't know. I could, I, as it is Sunday, I could probably pull it up right now and yeah. find out where it is in the top five on IMDb. Okay. Okay, you keep talking. <laughs> but that, uh, the next thing I had to say is uh, a response to whether or not it it does well. But give okay, me a minute. Let's assume it's doing well. Um, it's it's doing fairly well at least, and it, here's the thing: I think it's gonna do number one. Number one, what? How much? Well, I, damn it, David! It doesn't right. say that. Yeah, boxofficemojo.com. I I just go to IMDb, David. Oh. I don't usually look at that kind of thing. <laughs> boxofficemojo.com is the place to go. It made thirty-seven million. Okay, that's pretty good. Yeah, that's its budget. Uh, yeah, it's over its budget. Yeah. It was like a thirty million. It was thirty million. Yeah. Yeah. And here's the thing: it's going to continue to make money because the word of mouth is really good. Yeah. Um, With a film like that, I think word of mouth is crucial. So you need a, a unique campaign, uh-huh. certainly, and and then you really need when it's a film as as good as this, and you know that critics are really going to kind of push for it. Um, you need you're basically counting on word of mouth yeah. because you may not be able to have the ad campaign be as big mm-hmm. as a as a blockbuster but you need to make it you need to make it count where you can and i i feel like uh, i feel like district 9 really will catch on yeah but here's the thing it would be nice if um studios and executives learned a lesson from that that mm-hmm. they can spend less than far less than your average summer blockbuster i mean district 9 is not a cheap film no. but it's far less than the 150 to 200 million dollars uh, that we're used to seeing for a summer blockbuster type, or three hundred million sometimes. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it's. I was talking with friend of the show Jason Aiken about the budget for like Pirates Three and mm-hmm. Transformers Two, and it's. I mean, it would have to it would have to basically meet, if not break records, for the film to even break even. I, that yeah. That well, I mean, me it'll is, in in like, uh, you know, they're making money licensing it to Burger King or whatever. Right, they're making right. money from DVDs and toys and stuff. Yeah. It's, that movie's going to pay for itself, but um. It'd be nice if executives learned a lesson that they can spend a little more or, or a little less uh, on a good movie, mm-hmm. you know. But um, if there's one thing that one lesson that we've learned, it's that Hollywood doesn't learn lessons. That, that's true. Every time a movie comes along that's geared towards women, mm-hmm. like older women, I yeah. mean not elderly women, but like not right. teenage girls is what I mean. Yeah. Um, Middle aged, you could say. Sure. Yeah. Adult women. Yeah. Every time a movie come, comes along that's aimed at them and does well, you hear stories about 
this is going to change. Finally, Hollywood's going to realize that women go to the movies too. And then there won't be another one for a year. And then Devil Wears Prada will come out and it'll happen. You'll hear, you read all these stories again. Yeah. They don't learn lessons. They just, uh, they, they, they keep operating under the same, uh, standards and procedures that they always have. Well, I'll, uh, I will defer to one of my favorite, one of my favorite jokes by Billy Crystal, uh, at the Oscars. Uh, and it was, it was the Oscar ceremony in 97 for 96 when, you know, Fargo and Shine and Secrets and Lies, mm-hmm. like all these. Ind- it was the year of the independent film mm-hmm. as far as Oscars. Go. Yeah. Um, and it was joke- actually about five years after the year of the independent. Well, film. Yeah, yeah. At least five years. Anyway. But uh, but the joke that he made is he said he goes, there's so many independent films. He said, you know, the, the studios are really starting to take notice. And so next year they're all going to release independent films. For a hundred million dollars each, <laughs> and it's like yeah. that's. I'd say that's about right. Is yeah. they'll they'll find something like I, I feel like if anything, if they try and learn anything, and apply it, they will try and capture the magic of District Nine. But they'll put so much money behind it. It's like, well, the reason yeah. that it's it is what it is is because they felt they had to kind of overcome certain budgetary obstacles. I think. Or the. Well, what they'll do here, there's a, I, I might have actually quoted this on the show before because it's one of my favorite things, uh, ever. Uh, this interview with Brad Bird from it was back when The Incredibles came out, mm-hmm. and he was talking about the studio mentality, which is like if there were three movies that did really well last year, and in all three of those movies the hero wore a red shirt, you'd start seeing a bunch of movies with people in red shirts, yeah, because they they want to be able to boil it down to something that's that simple, yeah, you know, easily repeatable. Yeah, um, yeah, I'd say that's that's about right. And yeah. so I'd, I'm interested to see what will happen with uh, with District Nine if they're going to latch onto that. I, I I literally could see just next year or in a couple years just a, a whole just a whole oh oh aliens are big again. Let's make more alien movies. Hang yeah. on, that's not that's not what it's about. It's like we were talking about with vampire TV shows. It's like <laughs> yeah. if they're I don't care how many vampire TV shows are there are. I'll watch the good ones, right? You know, and it's it's not the vampires that are bringing me back. Yeah. You know, it's not the, I didn't watch Buffy because there were vampires in it. I watched it because right. it was an awesome show. Yeah. You know, uh, and I'm 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 hoping that Vampire Diaries will be the same, but it probably won't. Who does Vampire? <laughs> that's Diaries? Kevin Williams. Kevin that's, Williams. That's how we right. got talking about him last week. So it might be good. I just watched the. Uh, I, I bought for Jen. I bought the uh, Scream trilogy because she wanted it, and I found it for cheap, and so uh, so I bought it. Yeah, that's like buying the Godfather trilogy, though. It's like, do I? Boy, it I, is. I have to have the third one, don't I? There's yeah. no way to. The, you don't sell just the just the good Scream movies yeah. in, a, in a in a in a two pack. Yeah, uh, it just occurred to me when I said that I found it for cheap. It, that makes me sound like a bad husband. I would have bought it either way, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I just it occurred to me like. Mm, that makes me sound like, oh man, I bought flowers for my wife. You can just buy them from somebody on the side of the road. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, and so and I. What's watched... wrong with that? By the way, I, I, I. Well, they're probably not very fresh. But you know what? It's not. The idea is that you saw flowers and you thought, mm-hmm. "Oh, maybe you know, maybe I'll have make a nice gesture." You're thinking of her. It's not right. the fact that it was convenient. You know, if you do that on your anniversary, I could say that could. Uh, I'd say that could be a little. Uh, yeah, obviously. Yeah, I'm saying out of the blue. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If you're just driving down the street, you pull up at a corner and somebody somebody's selling flowers, and you spend you know five bucks for a for a bouquet. Mm-hmm. That's it's the thought. Okay. 
It's the thought that counts. Yeah. yeah. I don't buy flowers for Jen anymore because Charlie just, Charlie, my cat, uh, just bites the, he- the, the heads off of them. You know cats are allergic to lilies. I did know that, yes, because yeah. you had to pay a lot of money uh, to yeah. find, that out, find that lesson out. Anyway, um, let's get into it, shall we? Absolutely. <laughs> going Ooh. for oh my, jeez, <laughs> oh, sorry everybody. Yeah, um, but we're you know do- what? Here's the thing: we had a bunch of tangents in the first twenty, which I think we're allowed to do. So yeah, by all means, everybody, email us and tell us uh, if we're allowed to do that. Um, we're gonna do another another little uh, two parter here, a little series. Very exciting. Um, and. This is a fun one because you know it's not like the um, like the last August when we had the the music month you mm-hmm. know where it was a different type of movie. Well, you know we we often do episodes that are sort of uh, hear a bunch of movies that represent this thing mm-hmm. you know, and then we occasionally do more sort of academic things like when we talked about the Hayes Code. We weren't really talking right. about any sort of genre or anything like that. We were just talking about the sort of the world that film exists in. Right. So we're gonna do a two parter where we do one of each. So this week we're talking about class and the movies. Class sort of and the movies, not class in the movies. Yeah. So and that'll be next week. Yes. Um yeah, so we're we're, we're going to be talking about the 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 way that movies uh the the way that different classes in America um relate to movies in different ways. Yeah. I will let you uh kick off the discussion, David. <laughs> okay. Well, um I had never it had never occurred to me until I went to to film school. Um, you and I went to Columbia College in Chicago. That's right. That's where we went to film school. That's right. In film Chicago, school in Chicago, Columbia, Columbia College. College. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, when I took a history of film class, and I uh, and I learned about how like the sort of the upper classes like scoffed at movies. Yeah. At, at first, and not just at first for a long time, really. Yeah. You know, and and. Um, and it was just considered cheap entertainment for the commoners. Which astounds me. Yeah. Because the, uh, everything about, uh, the more I think about movies and, and film in general, the more uh, fascinated I am with it as a medium. Uh, because as I'm sure we've commented before, what's, fa- what's interesting about it is that it takes something from all the other mediums. All right? You've got theater, you've got, you know, in literature, you've got music you've got photography all these all these other artistic mediums and you roll them all together for the to make a new one and it's made and it and it adds its own through editing and i would say camera movement mm-hmm. um and that and those are those are big enough contributions that it makes it unique and so when film came about it was it was new and it was pretty technologically advanced, mm-hmm. and so to me it just seemed like the novelty of it would be ama- it would be fascinating to the upper class because it's just like oh my god it seemed to me like it'd be the kind of thing that only upper class people enjoyed and other people maybe couldn't afford right uh, and in fact it was quite the opposite yeah um, and so yeah it was it was sort of I learned about that in film school and was astounded by it and mm-hmm. it, it, that was about the same time that Gosford Park came out. Right, and there's uh, it, uh, when we went to film school. Yeah, not when films came. Right, along. no, yeah, the, yeah. The, yeah. My my sort of sophomore year of film school and Gosford Park about the same time. Right, um, and you know, we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about Gosford Park at length next week. Yeah. But um, it actually does have, have a lot to say about what we're talking about mm-hmm. in the character of Bob Balaban, or the character played by Bob Balaban. Yeah, 
um, who is a uh, an American movie producer. Yeah. And he and there's a a great part. They're at dinner, and Bob Bellman is talking about his upcoming movie. And then he says he gets towards the end of it, and he's like, "Well, I wouldn't want to ruin anything. I wouldn't want to give it away." And uh, Maggie Smith, not really with any overt uh, malevolence in her voice, yeah, just sort of like dismissively and and factually says, "Oh, well, none of us will see it." Yeah, <laughs> she's not really trying to be be mean, but she is at the same time. Uh, but it's true. And well, then, as if she's trying to clear up a misunderstanding, like, oh, oh, I'm sorry, I should have, I thought you knew, I, I'm sorry, you, there's a culture thing, you're an American, I, I, none of us are ever going to see this film. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, I should have said that right away. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, it, with that attitude. And and that, that um, those, so yeah, I, that, that movie came out by the time that I had learned that that was what it was like, and it still is, it still is ridiculous. Yeah. That. That that was, was that that was like that, but uh, I'd like to sort of try and get at the heart of why, yeah, why that is. Yeah. What do you think? Well, it's and here here's something that that, fa- that really fascinates me uh, is that, and this will you and I are talking about that that attitude in the past tense. Mm-hmm. I was reading the most recent Esquire today. Uh huh. There's a the letter. Cover? To, what was that? Who's on the cover? I don't recall. Okay. Gerard Butler, maybe? Yeah. That might have been last month. I don't remember. Um, and so I was reading the letters to the editor, which is always a mistake. And a couple issues ago, or maybe one issue, I don't know, it's monthly, um, they had a, a list of, you know, a certain number of movies every man should see, you know, one of those kind of things that we're, we're doing right now. Uh-huh. Um, although ours is not specific to any gender. Um right. So they they put out this list, and then somebody sent this letter to the editor. Okay. He says, movies are okay, but books! Exclamation point. That's why I I did my voice there. Um, (laughs) Books make us smarter and have that personal quality that movies cannot. Seeing as how some of the movies you listed were themselves based on books, I yearn for lists of literature, that genre our society now deems too time-consuming and troublesome to deal with. So that was the most recent issue of Esquire. Now, here's the thing. I, I agree we should probably, uh, I, I don't know, what's the word I'm looking for? We should support literature Absolutely. more than we do as a, as a culture. Yes. But that attitude towards movies, that it's, that, that it's a lesser art form or not even an art form, uh, in, incapable of being personal, right. is so... Uh, out of date. That reminds me. Actually, there's uh, before we move on and talk about this. Just a c- few months ago in Esquire, mm-hmm. uh, they did a long story on on Clive Owen. In the next issue, someone said, "You know, why are you writing about?" Uh, because there was a sort of ongoing joke in the article about a, a racehorse with an erection. You know, and um, and he said, and the guy's like, "Why are you writing about uh, a horse's erection? I don't even know who Clive Owen is." <laughs> <laughs> What? That's, <laughs> all right, that's an interesting. Uh, <laughs> I imagine the letter was probably edited down a bit. Uh, <laughs> was there an, uh, an ellipsis? I have to assume there was. I don't know, but the guy was saying why? Why are you know why are ten thousand words of this magazine yeah. devoted to uh, something that for me the the most interesting thing in the, art, thing in the article is the horse's erection because I don't know who Clive Owen is. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, that uh, we're saying a lot about the readership of Esquire here. Yeah, uh, of w- a number in in which you count yourself. Yes, uh, yeah, absolutely. 
uh, for the record, I I subscribed to it because uh, an airline offered me the opportunity to do so. I'm a GQ man. Are you? Yeah. Esquire often has these lists about like, or these sort of like everything, uh, you know, everything a man should own, you know, a hundred things a man should own or like the the movies. Yeah. Uh, Esquire seems like it's trying too hard sometimes to be a men's magazine, whereas GQ is very like... It's very they, comfortable in its in its masculinity. Yeah, they just are. Yeah, it knows uh, GQ. If you read GQ, you know what a man is. You don't need to. It's like stuff. <laughs> GQ is a lot like stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's for you, buddy. <laughs> um, well, and and the thing is, again, I, I don't think that the guy who wrote this letter is from the upper crust. Uh, I don't think he's one of the top one percent in this country. Right. Um, but I feel like that attitude about about film is one that. I mean, I was surprised to read this letter, mm-hmm. but the idea of film as a lower art form am- amongst, you know, people who aren't you and I and th- probably the listeners, um, that seems to have persisted. And I would say it goes into TV as well, but I'll talk about that later. Yeah. Um, and so, and I, and honestly, I don't know why I, I've, I've, ever since you came up with this topic, which was a while ago, uh-huh. And then we decided last week that we were going to talk about it this week. Um, I have been searching my mind, trying to think why did somebody? Why do people? Why have people come to this conclusion that they just disregard an entire medium, especially one that's at this point certainly as big as it is and as popular as it is? And that's when it hit me. It's because it's popular. Yeah. It's because everyone can go. Uh, it wasn't incredibly expensive back in the back uh-huh. when it was created. It's something that was new and unlike I would say the theater. Mm-hmm. Not any, you know, just anybody could afford a ticket. Yeah, and so I feel like, and to go and see a movie would mean perhaps kind of mixing with the commoners as we as, as we called them. Yeah, and it's like ah, screw that. Yeah. How about this? I just won't see them. Yeah. Rather than do that. Yeah. If it's not. Yeah. If it if it appeals to them, it won't appeal to me. Is what they're saying. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's. it's uh, yeah. That's that's exactly what it is. But also, I think back then it was just the newness of it too. Yeah. Because um, and I think that's the same thing in that Esquire letter that you're you're talking about. There, there's um, uh, there there's this sort of like fake air of credibility you get by being more of a purist about anything. Mm-hmm. You know the. Uh, books have been around longer, therefore they're worth more than movies. Right. Um, which is which is ridiculous, but it, it's it's a sort of uh, it's a stupid intellectual trick that people uh, play sort of yeah. on themselves to puff up their egos. <laughs> <laughs> they're only fooling themselves, David. It sounds like. Yeah, yeah. So um, it's funny. Yeah, we we were talking about we started talking about the you know the beginning of the of the movie of the hollywood era you know mm-hmm. and and these movies and, and but it does still exist in a way or yeah. at least that it was almost a self-fulfilling prophecy i think mm-hmm. because if you look at today most movies are um not geared towards uh intellectuals or art fans yeah. or anything like that you know movies are made with sort of the 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 lowest common denominator in mind you know, because um, th- this is going to sound a little snobby, but there, mm-hmm. when it comes to lowest common, common denominator, there are more of them than there are of us, <laughs> and they'll make more money that way. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and I feel like, and I have run across the idea that, and I'm not sure if I would say it's snobbish or it's just, I'm not sure where this idea comes from, but I've run across it, frankly, a lot in the Christian community, um, that, and I've run across it oddly oddly enough uh, in my own family, where people will dismiss film as only ever being to make money mm-hmm. and to be entertainment, whereas you know books and theater, well, that those are mediums that demand something of the audience that mm-hmm. that will challenge them. That uh, you know, because a book you, that's not just over in two hours, and a play, well, you're right there with the performers. It's and even though, yeah, pulp novels are crap. Yeah. I've read a lot of Mickey Spillane. Yeah. And well, well, I've seen a couple of Rodgers and Hammerstein musicals in my time, and they're fucking terrible. Yeah, and uh, you, yeah, you and I saw Carousel. Carousel. Yeah, and as fine a clam bake as that was, <laughs> uh, you know, it's just it, it was completely disposable. Yeah, and it's just like when I saw South Pacific, I went home and I washed it right out of my hair. <laughs> <laughs> we did high school theater before we went to Columbia College, Chicago, and um, <laughs> that's for somebody else too, by the way. Yeah, um, and so. So just, but I but I've read I've read a lot of Mickey Spillane I've read like Rex Stout I've read all the all the old time uh, you know pulp novelists and stuff uh-huh. but th- those mo- those novels are bad they're really bad yeah but some people just instinctively feel like well it's written and it's going to take me a while to read it uh-huh. so it must be better yeah uh, and I just and I can't I can't figure out that how how someone can just assume that film. Every single, because what they're saying is every single film ever made has only been made to make money. Yeah. Or and just, if you apply just it to, to entertain. If you apply it to the own, uh, we're sort of getting off on, this is a tangent, but it's related to the topic. Yeah. But if you uh, if you follow that argument to its logical end, they're saying that uh, that Clive Cussler and, uh, <laughs> who's a high-minded literary person? I don't know. Dustin uh, Nathaniel it. Hawthorne. There you go. Or whatever. Are equal because they wrote books. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. And, uh, that, and that uh, you know Brett Ratner uh-huh. is uh, uh, he's the same as John Ford. Yeah, yeah. That's that's ridiculous. Even but just th- th- saying that bothered me. But I mean, it, we are sort of saying uh, that the I, I guess it sounds like we're saying that the upper crust is more intelligent, but that's not. That's not true. That's just what they think, and right. they're also more educated. More educated, right? Yeah. So, and and I feel like in the, you know, in some circles, more educated is viewed as more intelligent. Mm-hmm. And uh, but there's probably plenty of people who've gotten a full college education that are idiots. Yeah, but because they have read certain things, and yeah. you know, they uh, they'd be able to understand literary illusions more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and that's that sort of thinking permeates the people who make the movies too not the actual filmmakers but the 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 studios mm-hmm. and that's why they make dumb movies uh <laughs> because right. they think that the lower class they're yeah. making movies for the lower class yeah um and they're making dumb because they think the lower class is dumb hmm. um i didn't i didn't talk about it on the show but i've often said uh that there's only one movie that i've ever put in at home Watched a little bit of and given up on. Okay, right? what is that? Uh, Batman and Robin. Okay, I, I've said that many. I'm sure I've said it on the show because yeah. that was. I, I've always had a thing where once I've committed to a movie, I'm I'm committed to it. I'm right. going to see it through no matter how terrible it is. Well, now there's another one on that list. Very exciting. 
yeah. it's a big deal, everybody. I finally tried to watch the first Transformers movie yeah. a couple weeks ago. And I made it a little further than Batman and Robin, actually. All right. But uh, but it is longer than Batman and Robin. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, but that's that's because I put ba- Batman and Robin in when I was young and thinking it would be good. Transformers, I knew it would be bad. I thought it would be fun. Yeah. But it's not. It's <laughs> so bad. And it's so dumb. This is what I'm getting at. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, <laughs> that's another thing. I always say that I hate when people like, uh, why didn't you like it? Oh, stupid. Well, that's not an argument. But that literally, Transformers is a dumb movie. Yeah. It is dumb. It's for dumb people. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, and I feel like it's almost. It's almost. Uh, I remember there's a there, there's a joke in um, Futurama uh-huh. where <laughs> there's. Uh, now this is about a TV network, but I'd say there's not much difference between network executives and studio executives, uh-huh. and uh, it's run by robots, and uh, each robot has a specific function, and one of the robots. Uh, her specific function is to underestimate middle America. <laughs> and she says, and her quote is, it's good, but will it get them off their tractors? And uh, <laughs> and I feel like that, yeah, that attitude of, well, film is for lower class and, and lower class people mm-hmm. are dumber and that sort of thing. Uh, that has, uh, that has permeated certain, the, the, the studio mentality, because when you think about it, it's almost, it's almost like they're saying, you will take what we are giving you and you will like it, which yeah. is kind of a kind of an upper class mentality yeah. uh, as far as, you know, the old the old kind of upper class. But one could say that it's still that's still around. Yeah. Um, and that, again, there's I'm sorry to bring up other things as well, but uh, but there's a wonderful article in The Onion about a guy who uh, a studio that is threatening to release Coyote Ugly 2. Uh-huh. Unless America gets off its ass and starts watching these other movies, yeah, and and everything about it just captures what what some people, myself included, would say is the studio mentality. Where the guy he, he says he's like, we will release this thing and it will be terrible, but <laughs> we will advertise the hell out of it to the point that you have to go, uh-huh. you have to go, you'll have no choice in the matter. Yeah. And then it quotes, and then it quotes like the the quote unquote average moviegoer, and it's a guy who says like that movie looks awful. I'll probably see it anyway if there's nothing else, you know. <laughs> and I feel like that captures the attitude perfectly. Just this condescending, uh, just this condescending view of the lower class and the middle class. And uh, and yeah, I mean, it might have it might have stemmed from that because it's basically that came about right from the beginning of film. I would say. Yeah. Was there ever a time? I forget. Was there ever a time early on when the the upper class was intrigued by film, and then maybe as it became more commercial and as people started going, they they distanced themselves. Was I don't know. Maybe maybe the technology they were that was seen as as novel. Okay, but the actual actual movies, as I as I understand it, were immediately dismissed. And um, it's I'm going to keep going back. Uh, uh, this is probably going to be the theme of the episode. It, it, it's a self fulfilling prophecy that persists mm-hmm. to this day. You know. It, uh. There's a reason, I mean, when you're going to a movie theater, you're going to see uh, a piece of art. Mm-hmm. But there's a reason that a movie theater doesn't really look or feel like a museum. Yeah. You know, it's treated as um, almost an amusement park type of place. You know, there's yeah. incredibly shitty food, Yeah, you know, that's uh, just snidely overpriced. <laughs> <laughs> the way they overpriced, I, I know it's, 
hack to 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 harp on this after all these years, but it is ridiculous. Well, you and I have both worked at movie theaters, and we know that that's yeah. where they make their money. Yeah, but that's they're they're saying like, we got you in here. What are you gonna do? Yeah, you know, you, I know you're you're too lazy to, or you're, you're too you're too stupid to have thought to stop at Walgreens on the way in yeah. and and put a bottle in your purse or whatever. Yeah, um. <laughs> you don't plan ahead. Yeah. Otherwise, what, why are you seeing these movies exactly. and not uh, on a yacht? Exactly, and that's another thing that Americans do that I don't understand. Okay. Uh, the the American movie going public, a lot of them will just say, let's go see a movie, go to the movie theater, and see what's playing. Yeah. That's insane. <laughs> that's, not, that's not the way you do it. You go to see a movie that's playing there. You find out what time it's playing, and that's the time you go. There's a line in uh, in Jackie Brown. Uh-huh. Where uh, Robert Forrester, uh, who, his character is a, is a smart character, uh-huh. and uh, he's saying this as a cover for what he's actually doing, but he's leaving and he says, I'm going to go to this mall and see a movie. And the guy says, what are you going to see? He says, uh, whatever starts soon and looks good. And uh-huh. I remember thinking like, mm, I bet, granted, this is a story he's making up, but I imagine people have said that and thought that. And I have to assume starts soon is probably going to Trump looks good. Yeah. So, because just... Uh, you know, it's something to do. So, uh, let's, let's let's keep talking about this. Right. Um, about this idea that, oh, man, that, okay, the upper classes, the people who think they're intellectual, mm-hmm. dismiss movies, consider, love them all together. Right. Okay. And then that sort of gets passed down to the lower classes who are going to movies, and that's the way they see them, mm-hmm. which is why they just see whatever's starting soon. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, well, do you think they would even be able to? I keep we keep saying they as if we, as if we are being as dismissive of the lower class as we are. You know, no, but okay, we're we're referring to the upper class as they too. That's we're, true. We're just okay. we're outside observers for the purpose of this episode. Okay, fair enough. Um, would you say that uh, the idea of movies being low class is that something that somebody, for example, of the lower class would they even? say that or would they just say hey this is fun for us or would they say like ah, oh, this is low class entertainment therefore I will go I, are they do you think they're even conscious of it or is it just something that has so I would been say accepted as true? recently um, I mean ever since uh, I would say maybe with started with Reagan and definitely calcified with George W. Bush okay uh, there is sort of a, a, a ridiculous condescending like pride in being lower class you know and ridiculous and condescending because george w bush uh, you know grew up fucking rich as god and uh it's 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 ridiculous that he sold this idea of uh these you know these fucking eggheads with their harvard and yale educations where'd Mm -hmm. you go anyway you know (laughs) Uh, but uh, I, i would say that the fact that larry the cable guy's witless protection made a fair amount of money in the yeah. in in the in middle america is a part of that it's mm-hmm. saying like ah this is for us this isn't highfalutin mm-hmm. you know um and that's something that we need to get away from that's that doesn't that's a uh, that's transgressive well and and having worked at uh video stores in various states uh i've run across the mentality of well, you know, I'm not looking to think tonight. I, you know, I just want to have fun. I just want to be entertained. You know, I don't want to have to think. You know, life is hard enough. And uh, 
and it's just uh, a general acceptance of oh well this movie it's it's not gonna make me think it's just gonna entertain yeah. me so i will see that and i feel like we're off topic here but the idea that you would have that you would have to be made to think <laughs> whether the movie's good or not i'm thinking yeah i'm thinking about it yeah <laughs> but, uh, sorry yeah that was a bit off topic sorry. yeah we, we're we're off topic but um I wanted to talk about, um, and this is going to sort of overlap into what we're talking about next week, but there are movies, like good movies, about the lower class. Oh, yeah. Um, that became became classics. And, and I wonder if, like, uh, if you think, like, The Grapes of Wrath or On the Waterfront, hmm. um which side of this equation is making that a classic film? The intellectual side, because it's intellectual, these are intellectual films, or the lower class side, because they're seeing their lives uh, honestly or dramatically portrayed? In my view? What, yeah, what do you think? I would say uh, the the uh, upper class. Yeah. Uh, because with the, with the possible exception of a show like Roseanne, mm-hmm. um, but when I've, when I've run across... You know, uh, friends or, or relatives who will see a movie that depicts reality, uh-huh. what, whatever that might be. I mean, it could be somebody who's who's uh, you know who, who's fairly well off, seeing ordinary people and being like, "Uh, yeah, I'm living this. Why do I want to see it? I prefer, you know, I, I don't need to see this. I want to see people. I want to see something that I'm not living. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so a film like on the waterfront or what was the other one? Grapes of Wrath, uh-huh. you know, movies like that. I feel like perhaps somebody would, would watch that and say, well, I, this is depressing and I'm already depressed enough. I'd prefer not to see this. Uh-huh. I mean, that's, that's what, uh, that's actually what Sullivan's travels is about. Mm-hmm. Um, a guy who, who so badly wants to make a film called, Oh, uh, oh brother, where art thou? Uh-huh. Um, which talks about all oh, the 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 plight of the working man, the plight of the lower class, but he finds that, you know, I mean, this might go against some of what we're maybe some of what we're talking about, but he finds that the lower class, they already know their own plight mm-hmm. better than he does, and they just want to have fun, they just want to be entertained and distracted for a couple hours from their from their lives, and that and he realizes like, well, that's what I'm going to give them, and but it's that that is viewed as a victory, yeah. I also don't, but I don't think that's true. Just okay. That that's what people want. I mean, if people just wanted the opposite of whatever's getting them down, then Confessions of a Shopaholic wouldn't have tanked. <laughs> you yeah. know, I mean, the Confessions of a Shopaholic is the perfect example of a movie that was made, like greenlit, and 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 began being made at a time when America was doing a okay. Mm-hmm. You know, and then the economy fell apart, and it came out at exactly the wrong time, and no one went to see it. Yeah, because. Uh, I think people do want to see something that's relatable. You know, that's uh, I, I don't think that's a class thing at all. I think that's just uh, the way that uh, the human mind uh, responds to art. I think the idea of film as escapism has never rung true to me. Hmm. Um, it, there has to be something that you can relate to yeah. in a movie. Yeah. Um, so would you say? So what would you say in? in uh, response to the question that you posed about on the waterfront, grapes are at that sort of thing. Would you say that uh, they're viewed as classics by, you know, their, their status as classes at their, sorry, their status as classics classics, was solidified by the upper or lower class or just both. Um, I think 
that they probably made money because of the lower class. Okay. Because they went to see them. But the idea, we'll get into this. The, this is another topic I wanted to get into here. Um, the idea of them being classics, the idea of them being sort of award-worthy films. Mm-hmm. Here's where that comes from. All right. Next page of the discussion is what okay. we're getting, on, getting into right here. So, uh, yeah. The movies were dismissed by the intellectual classes, so Hollywood went along and invented the Academy Awards okay. to uh, to pat themselves on the back and also to sort of uh, show show movies in in the light of something that's worthy of an award of something that is art. Prestigious, you know? prestigious is exactly yeah. is exactly it. But the thing is, they didn't really just, and they still today it's even worse. They don't they don't really. Uh, nominate and and award the best films. I think they nominate and award the films that look the most like what the intellectual, educated upper crust uh, would deem award worthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's that's another way in which it's sort of uh, self fulfilling, and the w- way in which it persists and permeates the entire system is that now we have we have the Oscars and they're um, more and more ridiculous all the time, you know, and they, uh, the, you know, we, we talk about, we, we, we laugh every fall about the movies that come out that are clearly designed yeah. to, to win Oscars, you know, but that's, that's the mentality. It's still the mentality about film yeah. is that, uh, unless it fits certain criteria, criteria, it's, uh, it's not art. Hmm. Would you are this? This is a side discussion, by the way. Would you argue that uh, that all film is art by nature of uh, its existence? Yeah. Okay. The film is an art form. Okay. There's good and bad art. You know, okay. just like, you know, I mean, I, you've read Mickey's Plane. I've read like a chapter of Mickey's Plane. Yeah. And fucking hated it and couldn't go on. But it's still an art form. Yeah. Yeah. So there's still art to him putting pen to paper and writing those words in those order. Well, you those, and I have. We mentioned this on the show before, uh, the idea that um, that I feel like the I, I'll, I'll even say I'll say the elite or as opposed to like the upper class or the you know, the people who are making big decisions that cost a lot of money mm-hmm. um, that I feel like they prey on the idea of an us and them mentality with class. Yeah. To sell uh, things that's in my notes here. For example, that that billboard that I mentioned a long time ago. To get people to watch the MTV Movie Awards, uh-huh. where it said featuring the movies you actually saw. This is a, hey man, this isn't a, an award. This isn't an award show for your rich uncle. All right, <laughs> like the Oscars with their No Country for Old Men and their Will Be Blood movies that I'm sure you slept through, like me. Uh-huh. This is a, this is an award show for you. You saw Transformers. Watch us give it an award. Yeah, we're MTV man. <laughs> you know, and just I don't know why I turned into some weird hippie, yeah. but. Uh, you know, I think it uses that that idea. It's like, yeah, yeah, screw those guys. You know, mm-hmm. um, it 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 banks on that. Uh, I think in in a in a uh, condescending way. Yeah. Um. To to bring in viewers. And, well, here's something I want to talk about. That uh, again, we're just going to overlap into what we're going to talk about next week. But I'll try not to mention any specific movies this time. Um. But there are. There are very few honest movies about that that show upper and lower class people interacting. Mm-hmm. They're either um, movies like like Grapes of Wrath or like Cinderella Man, where yeah. 
like the entire world exists within the lower class and you never really get to see yeah. them it, it, which makes them seem a lot it makes it seem a lot more livable and makes them seem more happy because they don't have this constant reminder yeah. that these people would actually have in real life but the movie is able to sort of crop that out of the picture and just make it this own little world. Right. Uh, or you get movies like um, uh, You Can't Take It With You or something, mm-hmm. uh, which is a, uh, which is sort of ridiculous in that in its uh, reduct- reductivism. Like yeah. lower class equals good, upper class equals evil. Yeah. You know? And you'll run across that even now with a film like Seabiscuit, where mm-hmm. Seabiscuit, oh man, Seabiscuit represents all of us, man. Right. And then, uh, oh shoot, what was the... What was the name of the horse that that Seabiscuit? It was, but basically, remember. it was it was a horse yeah. that was apparently like manufactured by the rich, uh, <laughs> and just you know, and and we were meant to cheer against them, even though it's just a horse, you know. But it's like, yeah. oh man, but that horse represents people who have more money than I do. Uh-huh. Screw those guys! Uh-huh. I don't even care how they made their money. Maybe they invented something that I use every day. Uh-huh. I don't even care. Um, and. Yeah, I mean, it's. I haven't even. I didn't even think of that. That aspect is is people. You you know, people using class one way or another. Mm-hmm. I remember uh, an episode of The Awful Truth with um, uh, Michael Moore, uh-huh. where he you know each episode featured him talking to a a, a group of students, uh, usually in Chicago. I don't think it was Columbia College where where we went to school, yeah. but. Um, so he was talking to a group of, and so I remember one episode he put an image of Bill Gates on, on the big screen, uh-huh. and people booed and because I'm, he's rich. Well, I mean, it's like okay, all right, if you want to talk about like anti-monopoly stuff, fine, but I don't think that's what they said. Yeah, uh, he's he, also one of the most generous philanthropists in the world. Also, how's about this? He changed the world. <laughs> Let me throw this. Hey, chances. The thing that we're talking into, David, yeah. is a function of him one way or another, and other people, admittedly, but he changed the world. I'm okay with him having a lot of money, because first off, as you said, he's doing you know charitable things with it, and also, he revolutionized the way the world works now and forever. Yeah. I'll throw him some money. Yeah, also, he's not, he's not Prince, what are their fucking names? William, Henry? I don't know who they are. But he's not royalty. He, right. he made his money. Right. Right. I'm not saying that I don't know. I don't think Bill Gates came from poverty or anything. Yeah. Uh, but he he kind of earned his place. But then, like Michael Moore. That's also why I always bother. This is off topic. Okay. But I actually had this discussion with uh, my girlfriend just yesterday, because uh, she says like, oh, she says athletes are overpaid. Professional athletes are overpaid. Okay. And well, no, we live in a capitalist society. That's what they're worth to yeah. the people who employ them and are making, by the way, way more than the athletes are. Yeah. But the athletes in the, in the public eye, so they get shit on. But the athletes yeah. are are more likely to be people who came from poverty. Mm-hmm. I'm happy they're making the money they're making. Yeah. You know, they 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 pulled themselves up by their bootstraps to be a, to be a capitalist again. You know, they mm-hmm. they used anyway, this is this is off topic, but it just it's, it really bothers me when people say that because well, that's what they're worth. They say, I mean, people have said the same thing about movie stars. That is like, "Oh, 20 million dollars, that's overpaid." It's like, "Did you see it because they were in it?" Yeah, that's why they do it. Yeah. You know, that's it it's not like they're bringing nothing to it. Yeah. The minute a uh, movie star stops being worth that amount of money, he gets less. Yeah. That's how that works. Yeah. And uh but you know, my, but Michael Moore, I'm sorry to, you know, uh, keep hitting on him, but his, uh, his, his kind of, one could say, a populist mentality. Uh-huh. Like in another episode of The Awful Truth, he has a game called Beat the Rich, uh-huh. where he interviews 
uh, people who are clearly well off and people that aren't. And he asked right. them s- several questions about like, hey, how much does this cost at McDonald's? Yeah. Or my favorite is when he has the box of macaroni and cheese and he's like, what else would you need to make this dinner? Right. <laughs> and and so like the regular people are like, oh, this. Yeah. And then the rich are like, I, I don't know. Uh, and just and it's like, yeah, man, we beat the rich. They don't know these things that we know. It's like, well, they know other things that you know. Maybe if you knew the things they know, you'd be rich. You know, it's, I, and I'm not. That's, that's not necessarily true. Yes, that's very reductive. I'm, I'm joking. I'm, yeah. I'm sorry. I mean, I mean, a lot of the reasons that people have money is because their parents had money and people right, had money before right. them. And so, yes, absolutely. And uh, I, was, I was making a joke. I don't want anyone <laughs> yeah. to think that I'm elitist. But, uh, but just he, he, he so successfully. Uh, uses that idea that that like oh man I, hey i'm one of you it's like well you probably have as much money as the people you're making fun of but you're using that you're using the the class system to make you know to make a lot of money for your movies to make a lot of money for your tv shows to sell a lot of books when in fact you may sympathize mm-hmm. with these people but you probably stopped being one of them a long time ago now m- much like you know somebody like you know like a self-made millionaire yeah. He earned it, but yeah. You know. But again, I want to get back to the uh, again. I don't know much about Bill Gates's young life, mm-hmm. but I don't think he came from poverty, right? And um, here's another thing that, that I think reinforces the sort of um, uh, the the idea of like upper class intellectual, lower class stupid mm-hmm. is that the um, the education system, particularly the higher education system, favors people with money. Yeah, you know so. Uh, it's a lot easier for a baseball player or a rapper or an actor, say, because yeah. uh, you just have to be born good looking yeah. <laughs> to be a famous actor. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but I mean, to to a certain extent, that does have a lot to do with it, with being famous. Uh, it's a lot easier to get out of poverty or out of the lower classes mm-hmm. by having some sort of natural ability right. than uh, than than by studying and working hard and learning things because you're not afforded those opportunities. So uh, I think that's why, um, even though actors are paid a lot, baseball players are paid a lot, rappers are paid a lot, these are people who uh, are idealized by the lower classes because it's more likely that it could have been them. You know, it's not seen as closed off. Yeah. Um, Well, we're uh, coming in on the home stretch here. It was not the short episode that you predicted, David. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. So you got uh, more stuff on that paper there, David? Uh yeah I do actually but yeah it would take forever I, mean, I, w- I wanted to talk about the sort of uh, left wing politics oh, my. Of, of Hollywood you know um, and uh, yeah it seems that we we spend a lot of time Hollywood bashing but let's at the mm-hmm. end sort of say some nice things there are other reasons that uh, Hollywood that, that a lot of screenwriters at least um, write movies about the lower classes like Grapes of Wrath or On the Waterfront whatever right. it's because they sympathize because they're liberals yeah uh, oh, okay. <laughs> Well, I, I know you're a conservative, uh, but I mean, I mean, take the connotation away from the word sympathize. Um, there's less sympathizing on the side of a conservative. That's not what a conservative does. It mm-hmm. says a conservative believes that a person is where they should be in life. That that if they had tried harder, they'd if they had done this, they'd be more successful. If they had done this, they'd be more successful. Whereas liberals are more likely to make... And, and it can go too far on the liberal side, too, where they make everyone the victim. Right. You know, that's not necessarily true either. That's, um, that's why I'm uh, a staunch moderate. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but there, that's... But we're just talking about... Uh, all connotation aside, Hollywood is more left, 
and therefore more likely to sympathize with the lower classes, right? Uh, whether they deserve it or not, yeah. You know, which yeah. sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. Um, but th- that's uh, again, I'm being mean. <laughs> I can't seem to say anything about Hollywood without it being mean. Okay, uh, I'm trying to be nice here and say that uh, there's there's a little bit of altruism sometimes okay. uh, that goes into the reason that people make movies about and for the lower classes hmm. because of the the politics because they're they're pro proletariat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean if there's that that's that is one of the things about uh, about uh politics in film or art in general is if you come out pro uh conservative or whatever is y- you're going to you're not going to appeal to a very high uh ratio of people. Um, because there are more people that are that make less than a certain amount of money than there are that make more than that amount of money, and so simply by virtue of appealing, you know, trying to appeal to that, you're yeah. going to appeal to more people, right? Or you can do the the condescending thing that George W. Bush did, which is pretend to be one of them when you're not and don't have their interest in mind mm-hmm. at all. Well, you gotta, you know, and that's and one could one could actually bring up, uh, you know, with the previous election. I mean, they freaking latched on to Joe the plumber, mm-hmm. you know, because hey, man, he's one of you. Yeah, I don't know his. I don't remember his last name, but I remember his name's Joe, which is a good old American name, and uh, he's a plumber. That's not. That's very blue collar. Yeah, well, Sarah Palin in general actually is exactly what I'm talking about because they're saying, "Look, she's one of you. She's a fucking idiot." Oh, <laughs> that's what you think. <laughs> Come on. No, no, I just mean calling me an idiot. <laughs> no, but. No, no, they're talking to you. They're oh, okay. talking to the 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 Joe Six Packs, which is again really condescending. Yeah, and kind you, of a dickhead. You drink thing. all the time, David. <laughs> I do, but no, it, <laughs> you're it's, drunk now. Uh, to calling them Joe Six Pack is so so condescending because it's yeah. like saying, uh, "Yeah, we want to appeal to all you people who just sit around all the time and <laughs> don't just, do anything." Yeah, the Dan Connors of the world. Yeah. Um, even though, again, that's one of the most amazing shows I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, but and it can, go, I mean, it can go the other way as well. It's like, oh, those fat cats, man. Uh-huh. It's like, well, they might be, you know, they might be giving away like a huge chunk of their income to charity. Yeah. You know, you know, you never know. But uh, and that's that's the thing about TV or film is the the more that and we'll talk, we will definitely talk about this more next week. Is yeah, the more they the more they humanize or or the the more gray they make it as you know the less black and white it is mm, probably the smaller the audience is going to be yeah because if you make it easy like these people are good these people are bad and it's like well i'm one of the people that's good so i'm going to see this movie i'm going to love it cuz yeah. it's telling me that i'm good and uh but if you if you muddle it a little bit as i was to bring up we bring up we've been bringing up Gosford Park a lot just by completely organically yeah um but that's a that's a film where a lot of the you know there's the rich people and there's the servants some of the servants are kind of jerks some of the rich people are kind of nice you know you don't it's kind of it's everyone's just kind of people in that film um but uh but i do want to i want to mention a couple things real quick uh, as far as just the attitude towards uh towards the different mediums and this is kind of going back and and uh, repeating some of the stuff that we've said before, but uh, but yeah, I would say that uh, that the attitude extends into television as well, and that one perhaps even more so than film 
is held by certain snobs these days. Uh, I remember I read a script once. I won't. I can't say what it was, but I read a script once where uh, this character is supposed to be a free spirit, uh-huh. you know, and he's supposed to challenge the way you think. And he talks about, hey, man, I don't even have a television, <laughs> you know. And then he goes on to say, and then the one of the characters is like, it's like, you don't even own, you don't even have a TV. What do you know about this world? And uh, and the guy's like, hey, TV will just tell you how to think. It'll just make you a mindless zombie. Just a complete, a complete uh, disregard for everything that television co- uh, has been or could be. Yeah. And, uh, and but it is harder remember- to make a case for television as high art when every seven minutes it's interrupted that's, for them trying to sell you stuff. That's true. And and when I when I you know, whenever I mount a defensive television, I usually wind up talking about HBO. Mm-hmm. Um but but the just just a complete dismissal of that and then and then uh, there was a movie uh Bridge to Terabithia, mm-hmm. right, where uh, this free-spirited girl, her parents don't own a TV. And what do they choose to do instead? Like, oh, they paint the walls yellow <laughs> so that when the sun hits it, it's like they're in, they're in the sunset. <laughs> and like, hey, that's what we do instead of TV. And it's supposed to be viewed as like, wow, what great parents. As opposed to this dumb, this kid's dumb parents who just plop their kids in front of the TV and problem solved. Uh-huh. Uh, and I remember just, and I remember even even you. That was like your favorite movie of that year, or one oh, of them. one of them, yeah. And uh, and even you said like, I would hate those parents. Oh, I would yeah. hate to have those parents. No, yeah. but that's not the attitude the film takes. Yeah. Film takes the attitude of just like it's like, oh man, what great parents. They're wonderful. They they put their kids to work painting a, painting a room, <laughs> and then their and then their reward for painting the room they get to sit in the room. And so, um, but what I will say is that as as much as I don't like that attitude towards television or film, it's one that you and I and myself certainly and certain film critics and certain film people it's the attitude that we have adopted towards video games that they are not art and cannot be art. Now, I still, I will still, you know, uh, say that in the traditional view of, in the traditional sense, it is an art because of the interactivity. It's whatever a person wants it. It, it can be whatever a person wants it to be, but... Uh, only within the realms that are already laid out for them by the creator. Right. And so, so it, it actually can be because what if you're, what if, you know, you wind up, what if somebody's playing a video game and they have to make two horrible decisions? Mm-hmm. I either let this person die or let that person die. Sophie's choice, the video game, mm-hmm. which would be awesome. Yeah, um, yeah, I'd buy it. <laughs> and so I would buy a gaming system just to. <laughs> you know, you know, Tyler, I don't even own a gaming system. Oh my gosh! Well, I own a Super Nintendo. Back when games were good, back when they were pure. I'm lying. I do have an Xbox. You do. That's right. We got to play Halo sometime. Yeah. Um, and so, so just. I, I feel like if if a person was ch- is forced like make two choices that they would that and both of them are terrible, mm-hmm. but they have to make it because that's the only way the game can continue, and so the viewer the the player is being challenged, yeah, uh, to do something that they probably wouldn't want to do otherwise, and there's freedom to choose one of those, but you have to choose one of those. I feel like where where there is freedom, but within that freedom. Uh, there, there are limitations. I feel like that's that's where the art can really 
permeate the the medium of, of video games. I think we've used the word permeate three or four times this episode. It's a great it's a great word. It's I love it. One. It's fun to um, say. I always like words that have two vowels next to each other that you have to pronounce separately, like create and yeah. permeate, or like Kiev. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Well, uh, I don't even know what Kiev means. It's a, it's a city. Kiev. Oh, okay. All right. Well, that's foreign. But it's fun to say. I'm just oh, okay, absolutely. Well, yeah. I mean, and you, as you know, one of my favorite actors Re-animate. is Liev Schreiber. Liev Schreiber. Yeah. yeah. The reanimator, yeah. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, thanks for that. Um, but but I feel like that's, that there are a lot of, uh, you know, film people who, and, and I've done this myself, who are too dismissive of the of the medium of, of video games, and I, I want to just be careful uh that we don't wind up sounding like you know those some of those characters in Gosford Park mm-hmm. who are just like like oh well just idiots play that or just you know that's for you know that's for people of a certain age or a certain intelligence people who yeah. don't want to be challenged by their entertainment well you know it can be and so you know anything that's new don't don't instantly dismiss it because you know uh, it could be it could wind up being one of the most amazing things. Uh, and one could make the argument that it's art already mm. by virtue of, of its existence. Yeah. And so, um, but that's a, that's probably a, we can probably go into that topic another time. I'd like to do a, an episode on video game movies, but we're probably just going to wind up making fun of them most of the time. Yeah. Most of them are bad. Um, are there but, any good ones? We'll talk about that when we do our episode. Absolutely. All right. Um, so yeah. we should wrap up. I, we, we didn't even get to half of my notes here about the overlap between uh, class and race. We didn't get to that at all. Oh, <laughs> but uh, Maybe you can, uh, Tell you what. That'll be the... We'll talk about that at the top of the show next week. Okay. Provided okay. nobody dies between then and now. <laughs> right. We'll talk about that at the top of the show, and then we'll move into uh, class in film. Okay. That sounds um, fun. Okay. And all so right. it'll be... Uh, so it'll be like a two... Just really uh, like a to be continued. Yeah. So... Uh, so yeah, uh, so everybody, uh, thanks for listening. You can find us on Twitter, David. At The Pretension. At The Pretension. Seriously, you jerks. Follow me. I don't think that's, <laughs> I, I feel like you're not uh, showing the proper respect. No, but I'm giving them a taste of the old David Bax wit they're going to get over it at The Pretension. Because that was funny when I said, seriously, you jerks. No. Wit, is wit the word you're looking for? No. Okay. <laughs> um so yeah, and then uh, you can always uh, go to battleshippretension.com and go to the uh, forums. You can uh, look at uh, the various uh, videos that we have on there. We I, I've I've added a lot of videos of like from things that our guests have done. Right. Um, let's see. There's a, a new movie every week. We're trying to make that happen. And David, <laughs> I'm excited that you've gotten involved in that again. <laughs> Back on the horse. Yeah. Um, yeah, and also you can check out the 100 Greatest Characters list. Uh, yes. Um, and get an idea of what it's going to be like when we release our 100 Greatest Films list. This right. is the user-generated list. Yeah. You guys send us, uh, send to both David at BattleshipRetention.com and Tyler at BattleshipRetention.com uh, the list of 10 films you think should be on the list of yeah. the 100 Greatest Films of all time. Yeah, they should absolutely be on that list. Yeah, it wouldn't be a complete list without these 10 films. Right. So that's what you, that's what you send us to those two addresses. Um, there's also a really fun thing to do on the website, uh, which is click on the donate button. Oh man, uh, it's a blast! It is a blast. If Bill Gates listened to this, <laughs> he would absolutely donate because he's so charitable. He is so he's a charitable motherfucker. Abs- uh, 
Absolutely. <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, uh, so thanks for uh, listening, and uh, we'll get you next time. Bye. Bye.